as I am. Full disclosure, Jeff and I tried to record this episode last week, but we just kept fumbling and I think we were, we felt super nervous and I think both of us realised that because we don't want to half-ass anything, um, we've somehow put a lot of pressure on ourselves now um just to make sure that you know things we talk about are things with substance um so we decided to scrap that episode it was so bad um and we started the fresh now with this one yeah it was <laughs> oh i can't like just thinking back about it i think i think for us it was just like so many of you have reached out to us um and had all these meaningful like interactions with us and i think yeah it was it was just starting to like you know feel the pressure a little bit but i think it's important that we remember like why we started this and i think it was just like exactly it, yeah it's it's meant to be this like open dialogue and um mm. we want to be you know as genuine with you guys as possible and we think like sometimes like it just it just got to our heads a little bit like i was like so <laughs> nervous like i had no idea what i was talking about um but no, it's good. I think I think now we feel better a week later. You know, we've like gathered <laughs> ourselves a little bit and um, we're ready to go and talk about today's topic. So uh, yes. let's, start off, let's start off today by, I'm going to ask you a question. What okay. is your favorite movie and TV show? <gasps> Ooh, tough questions. Um, I don't think I'm the kind of person who has like an all-time favorite movie or TV show. Um, but one that comes to mind... Um, just because I've been watching this quite recently, um, is Community and Parks and Rec. So funny. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I think you've mentioned um, that you've seen Community. No, Parks and Rec through Alan Yang. Yeah, yeah. I've watched a couple Parks and Rec. I find it hard to get into mockumentaries. Oh, really? No, I (laughs) I find it like the greatest form of reprieve. It's so funny. I think it's just the first, (laughs) the the pilot season is always hard to get through. And like everyone's always like, that's very true. Yeah, you got to stick through it and get through it. You have to, yeah. My patience yeah. just doesn't last that long. But okay, yep, yep. So you like <laughs> No, fair enough. Yeah. Yes, yes, love that kind of stuff. Um, comedy, especially in the time of COVID and with exams upcoming up, I find comedy to be an amazing form of reprieve. But yes, mm. those two TV shows come to mind in terms of my favourite ones. Um, as for movies... I reckon I'd say like something like Ratatouille. I don't know. I like, love Ratatouille. It's so... It's, it's one of those movies... cook. Anyone... Oh, oh. Like... A message that drives home the idea that, like, meritocracy can get your places. Um, it's also, it's in France. It's about, a, like, a mini rat chef. Like, you know, like, what more could you want? So, um, so I I reckon those kind of three, uh, three TV shows and movies are definitely um, my favourites so far. What about you? Well, just side note, I think... Ratatouille is probably the best cooking movie made, period. Um, that's another topic. It's so funny. But it's so, so funny. good. It's like the ultimate feel-good film. Okay, so TV shows, yeah. Breaking Bad is like always... Mm. That is the thing I push onto everybody just because like the acting is so, so good. And it was just like... I remember the first time I watched it, it was like the biggest shock because I was watching... I watched Mal- uh, Malcolm in the Middle when I grew up. So oh, like seeing yeah. Brian Cranston in like a comedy role and then like switched to this like meth cook you know slash like gang boss now like you know it's it, it mm. was amazing game of thrones because love the books and oh of course movies wise uh, i would say like i like like really good films and i like really trash films you know like i love mm. transformers <laughs> like michael bay movies are like my guilty obsession oh like like just explosions like every two <laughs> seconds like 500 million dollar budgets it's i'm not judging okay they're not, not that judging. much um and then good films <laughs> like i love anything made by tarantino um i think mm. his work is amazing and all those theories mm. about how all his films are like absolutely like completely linked together like hit me up if you want to know the theories it's pretty mind-blowing okay so let me ask you a follow-up question what is your favorite Asian movie or TV show. And cue the silence. Uh, This is actually quite disappointing. Um, You know, I'm trying to rack my brains now uh, for movies that are centrally about Asians or at least have a predominant Asian cast. And I can't think of any, um, you know, besides like the big named ones like Crazy Rich Asians or like Rush of the Boat that I actually genuinely like, if that makes sense. And I think that just drives home the take-home message, or at least the topic that we want to discuss today. Representation 
uh, in film and TV shows for Asians, or shall I say the lack of representation um, mm. to the point where Asians and minorities are invisible and, you know, and invisible at best, actually, and at worst, ridiculed. Um, I mean, can you think of any TV show or movie that has Asian people in it as, like, the main protagonist and whatnot? Because I honestly can't think of any that's, like, good. Or at least, yeah. like, that that's the know, main something thing that comes like, to mind immediately. That's good as well. Like, something that's widely, you know, critically acclaimed. Um, something exactly. that's, like, you know, broadly loved. It's just, it's just hard to think. Like, even when I think about, like, Chinese TV shows, I remember we had, like, CCTV, like, growing up. And I swear every Chinese TV show is, like, either, like, some sort of love story or it's about the Japanese occupation of China or oh 1920 yeah. Shanghai. It's, like, one of those things. It's mm. not, like... It's produced in China for Chinese people, you know? It's not, mm. like... Yeah, it's. I guess it's like doesn't really have that much Western appeal. So yeah, there is, there is not much out there. There is not much out there, yeah. and that's yeah, that's the topic: representation or the yeah. lack thereof. You know. Exactly. I mean, disclaimer though, before we start delving into this, um, the films and TV shows that Jeff and I will be talking about in this episode are within the Western framework. This is definitely not to account for you know the undeniable plethora of talent in Asia um, whether it comes down to K-dramas or Bollywood um, we're talking about um, representation in the West and yeah it, you know I'm thinking back now to shows and t- movies I have watched and like good ones have at least like you know at least one Asian mm. but even then like it just always feels so tokenized and it doesn't ever feel like these characters are there for their substance and their development it's more just like ticking off a box yeah you know yeah um like uh, and and even if there are shows that do have asian people it's premised on the idea that it's about the asian identity you know yeah um like fresh of the boat kim's convenience crazy rich asians all about being asian and i don't know if like that's something i mean yes it's a good thing on the one hand mm. but on the other hand i think you know i think to get to the point where we have TV shows and movies that have Asian people just doing normal things, I think that's where I'd like to see, yeah, you know, 100%. film and TV head, right? Like, that's why it. does it have to be about being Asian for it to be, well, for it to have an Asian cast? Like, that doesn't make sense yep. to me. Exactly, exactly. And I guess, like, when you wind it back to, like, the other end of the spectrum, having white people play Asian people. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh my god, let's unpack that. I uh, oh, oh god. Mm, there's so many oh, layers to this. So bad. It makes like, me uncomfortable. Just a quick Google. Um, just like there's actually a Wikipedia page on it. And even <laughs> in the tw- <laughs> Yeah, number of films with yellow face. Um, and even in the twenty first century, there was like close to twenty films. And a lot of these were like yeah. biggish names, you know. Um, and there was probably several that like went completely unnoticed. I think one of the biggest ones that, you know, we posted an article about this week as well was Ghost in the Shell. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like having Scarlett um, Johansson play the lead was odd and weird. Literally, she played like a Japanese, like cyborg woman. Like, I, I don't know how much further you can get, you know, how much further you can detract away from the actual... Uh, you know, main character of that, of the Ghost in the yeah. Shell, like the main idea to be a Japanese cyborg woman and you have Scott Johansson, a yeah. blonde, blue-eyed woman. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- I guess to give structure to this conversation that we're having, um, we want to talk about a couple things, that being firstly Yellowface and I guess leading to that um, whitewashing and then stereotypes we now see um, that still persist actually in Hollywood these days. I guess if we talk about and delve into this topic, let's define yellowface. Um, so d- definition of yellowface is honestly just used to describe the practice of white people who would use makeup and prosthetics mm. and costumes to appear Asian. And obviously, as you can guess um, and ascertain, this term is quite similar to blackface where, you know, white actors would color their skin to caricature black people and culture. Um, but I think what is most insidious about yellowface is that, you know, it often involves exaggerated racial features that are considered yeah. Oriental and Asian. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure like you can all like 
ascertain these features, but you know the the slanted eyes, the overbite, the yellow skin color. I never got um, the buck teeth thing. Neither did I. I don't know any Asians Where did with that the, come the, from? <laughs> I don't have no idea. No idea. Um, and, and and honestly, like it's not obviously this is just overtly racist, but. I think what is more messed up is the fact that Yellowface has evolved into a different form now, which I think is whitewashing. But mm. we'll get into that later. But I think I just, I just want to really talk about Yellowface first yeah. and um, where that came from and like how it's come to be. And honestly, like examples of Yellowface in the movies that we all love to see and watch. Yeah, I think it really brings into the idea like impact versus profit. Um, yeah. Because a lot of the time it's like you get someone like a superstar like Scarlett Johansson to play this lead. You're probably going to make more money than if you cast a mm. Japanese person. Like mm-hmm. the name itself of the of the actor or the actress like just draws more people in versus what the movie is technically about and like how closely you adhere to the source material. And I think that's I think that's a huge problem. Like I, there's 100% someone who was capable and talented enough to play that role better and it also it just aligns closely to the original story how yeah um that manga was set out and you know what the author intentioned and there was i just feel like there was so many more options rather than just casting you know a really famous hollywood person and yeah mm. and just on that note anything done in japan should just just be like left for them to do you know like exactly like Exactly. All the movies of animes turned into, you know, Hollywood blockbusters. Dragon Ball was so, so bad. I cannot stress that enough. Like, the worst movie I may have ever seen. And then you think about, like, American remakes of Japanese horror movies. Like, The Ring, Grudge. Mm. I Honestly, watching Japanese horror movies has, like, ruined me. I can't watch horror anymore, like, just because I'm constantly like looking behind my back just like mm. thinking about what's like under my bed because it's like the the way they do it they, there's such a i don't know i just feel like japanese films and stuff they just target emotions in such a different way mm. i digress i digress no it's all good i mean yeah. i think I, I think this whitewashing that we see nowadays has you know really insidious roots um back to you know yellow face um, but you're completely right on the point about, you know, using like famous actors, you mm. know, and inserting them into Asian roles just genuinely for the clout, for the economic um, yeah, drag yeah, to do exactly. that. Um, that's why you had Mickey Rooney playing Mr. Yunioshi, a Japanese character <laughs> at reference to Tiffany's. And that's why the reason why you had Catherine Hepburn play a Chinese character who she her eyes were literally altered with makeup. So that they were smaller and they looked more Chinese Mm. as she played a woman called Jade. And it's just like, yes, I understand the economic need on the one hand. I mean, we're talking about 1930s, 40s, Hollywood, white America. And actually, it was also structural too. So I don't know if you know, but um, there was this internal set of guidelines in Hollywood called the Hayes Code. And essentially, it was just enforced in films and major studios from the 1930s to um, 1968, I believe. But essentially, this code included an array of requirements um, that were indicative of white America, evidently. Um, But this included prohibiting any sexual encounter between actors of different races. So with that restriction, this meant that hiring an Asian person as a lead actor in the film would rule out that character having any sexual relations with another unless they were Asian as well. So if you had, like, you know, a main American protagonist, like a male or whatever, who had, like, a Chinese wife... You know, they would have to like have a white woman play that Chinese character. Otherwise, they would genuinely just be, you know, in breach of misconduct or a set of guidelines. And I think, you know, there's layers to this. On the one hand, it's white America racism, but also there were these structures in place, these systemic structures in place that essentially, you know, made conduct like this permissible. Conduct where that sought to, you know, exclude Asian. Uh, celebrity not Asian celebrities but you know Asian actors from you know representation and having like a platform and a space to do their work um and that is so insidious that is so so insidious and honestly like it wasn't until 1968 that that was effectively ruled out but that's like that's not that long ago that's recent history oh my god doesn't um, that make you feel so like uncomfortable? I'm sick? shook 
That's fucked. <laughs> That's a history lesson for you. Um, uh, for you all. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, oh but yeah, God. obviously, needless yeah. to say, this is incredibly problematic. It's dehumanizing. It's racist. And it reduces Asians to harmful and false stereotypes when you do have white people imposing on Asian characters. And obviously, these Asian characters are written by white people who have no idea you know, of, of the cultural yep. nuances yep. and the Asian yep. storylines and whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, main takeaway is That's that this, this isn't, this isn't um, news. Like this has been ongoing for decades and decades. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gee. I actually, I didn't know that. So I'm trying to process right now. I'm trying to process right now. But I guess like, I guess when you look after that period and, you know, what ended up happening was film started to want to reach out into, you know, quote-unquote exotic areas um and you know when they reached out to the east what they brought back and what they thought was you know palatable for a western audience was like kung fu masters Mm. you know it was just like um you think about the people who pioneered this idea in hollywood bruce lee jackie chan and like these huge stars they made like countless movies of just the same thing over and over again you know it was just this asian dude who was like kicking people's asses and you know he was really cool you know he was like doing all those stunts and it was it was cool because i I i think it's cool because it did so much and it was like the first time that you know asian people could have this lead role in a movie Mm. and i think in that sense like full credit to them and you know it was a huge move um and like i love those movies like there's no denying that they're entertaining um you know like i watched them all growing up like like i I can think of so many like even more recent ones you think about like ip man you know like that's Mm. a that's a huge movie um but what it did was i think it's it, it just portrayed these stereotypes and like the i don't i think about this so much so much it's just like the idea of like the kung fu master it's like yeah why would you think that all asians know kung fu oh my god yeah (laughs) like i cannot count the number of times that someone has asked if i know kung fu and fun fact i actually did kung fu for two months when i was like (laughs) eight years old um I think I think largely inspired by watching these movies. Mm. But I think the other thing that it leads on to is just like what these films did was just like this persistence this persistent display of these stereotypes yeah. and coupled with essentially how Asians like behave in society really ended up promoting a culture of like casual racism that is honestly oh God, like yeah. overlooked and and pretty widely adopted. And I think, like, this may be a contentious statement, but I think out of all the ethnicities across the world, it is the most, you know, quote-unquote okay and, like, almost forgived um, to be racist to Asians. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually would agree with that too. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like, and I think we've touched on this before, but I, I feel like people don't really expect backlash from Asians yeah. Yeah. because of this reinforced stereotype that you know we're not um an aggressive form of people you know we're like the model minority you yeah. know we're quiet we work hard we put our exactly. heads down so to be racist to an Asian is is yeah frankly okay I say that yeah. quote unquote obviously it's not okay but yeah it's, not, it's not okay but you. yeah but like broadly like people making those jokes don't expect yeah. like you know a punch in the face which exactly. is what they exactly. deserve yeah they don't exactly. they don't expect the back they think it's okay and it's like a two-way thing it's like the persistence of these jokes they see them on screen um that you know they ask people like and then you know asians they you know they want to assimilate into society they want to just work hard they want to make money they don't really care what you think about them so they mm. they probably just brush it off and you know say it's like ah oh, yeah sure yeah i know kung fu and what that sort of stuff and it ends up yeah. being like no one no one really feels bad for asians you know yeah like it's it's just like a normalized thing to like you know um you know call someone like a, a chink or whatever it is but it's like oh my god yeah. it's it's just not right you know it's it's, no. it's yeah it's really not right mm. um on the subject of kung fu though i remember you were talking to me about um and maybe you should talk about this uh star wars oh 
Okay, so I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've, I've watched Star Wars so much. I'm a very active member on Star Wars Sith posting, um, which is a, is a meme group on Facebook. Like, I literally have a group with a few mates, and um, all we do is just, like, post Star Wars and Lord of the Rings memes. So, like, this is a, this is a <laughs> universe and a franchise that I really, really love. And obviously, like, I was young when the... Uh, the new trilogy came out and afterwards like i'd heard news like they were like you know disney bought them and they were going to make all these new films and i was like oh i'm so excited you know and i'd heard through the grapevine that they cast asian people um in mm. one of the films so it was rogue one and starring donnie yen so the guy that plays it man and i was like oh sick you know like like you know this is gonna be the awesome you know we're gonna see like an asian guy using the force lightsabers and all that sort of stuff <laughs> And I watch this fucking movie and you know what I see on the screen? I see, you know, in an expanded universe across, you know, where intergalactic space travel exists, people have like kinet- like telekinetic powers and, you know, laser swords and blasters. They give, mm. they make my guy blind Kung Fu master. Just let that sit with you for one like, moment. Of all the possibilities you could have done with this character, you chose to make him a blind kung fu master. Like, he, the the scene they introduce him, yeah, he's like, there's all these stormtroopers and then they're like, they're crowding around him and like they've got blasters and armor and you know, you're in this like future set, futuristic setting. He's got a fucking stick, a wooden stick. And yeah, he kicks their ass and, you know, that's cool. But like, why couldn't he have a lightsaber? Why? Why? Why, why just not? him down? Oh my God. Why not? The potential, the potential for this oh. to be a great movie and, you know, to do justice to, you know, an amazing Asian character. Yeah, exactly. Completely is, unfolds in one scene. And exactly. It's, it's disappointing. It's offensive yeah. and it's disappointing. Yeah. And there's, oh my God. there's also another Asian character in Star Wars who essentially became maybe the most hated character in the new Star Wars films. It was, there was an Asian woman who played a character called Rose. And, you know, there's a lot of great female leads in the Star Wars universe, people who carry, um, carry themselves great across the screen, really courageous and, you know, powerful characters. And they somehow gave Rose the worst dialogue in the entire film. This, like... And yeah, she didn't return. She almost didn't make any more movies because she received so much backlash for her role mm. because they just couldn't write her character. Mm. Yeah. And it was, it was it was so disappointing, you know, like like you get this great opportunity and they just like, you know, put the least amount of effort into it. They're like, oh, you know, what have people done in the past? Oh, you know, annoying character. Okay, done. Okay, Kung Fu Master. Yeah, done. All right, tick the boxes. Let's actually focus on everything else. And yeah, it's it's not great. It's not mm. great. Yeah. All right, so evidently we see now that Asian men can only play blind kung fu masters yep, or karate kings and whatnot. Um, let's talk about Asian women and how they have been represented um, in film and media. I would say that Asian women are disproportionately hypersexualized. Oh, so um, there's this exoticism of the Asian woman on our screens. Um, have you seen Memoirs of a Geisha? I have. And I read the book and it was... What are your thoughts? <laughs> terrible. Oh, it was just... Oh, my God. There, there's an idea so behind this. It's, it's called Orientalism. And it's just yeah. the idea of just like the exotic Asians. You know, like there's there's certain traits, you know, there's a phrase that like the delicate flower you know submissive you know um very respective of authority you know it's just like it's it's these stereotypes are really constant throughout the entire film and a lot of betrayals of asian women in media and yeah it's just oh it's it's bad but like the, the thing i think about is just like you know these movies are why like middle-aged white dudes go tr- go to like southeast asia oh. to find wives 
Okay, that is another topic we have to unpack as well because that is, that yeah, is they, a they, horrible thing. They don't want a wife. They almost want like someone who's just like, just like almost a slave. Just like someone yeah. who's going to like never talk back, always respect them, oh like God. cater to their every need. And like this is the type of, you know, they've probably seen these images and they've seen this type of media and it's just like yeah. obviously like probably through the grapevine as well. But like this is the sort of stuff that just like portrays asian women in such a bad light you know yeah and that's the thing like it's more than just obviously like the wrongful stereotypes harmful stereotypes that you see on our screens like you know for asian women but yeah like you say like the actual practical manifestations and the impacts of what this actually means um is you know are these representations conducive to sex tourism in southeast asia maybe but Mm. i have no doubts that you know these men who do travel to thailand and to bali have had these perceptions of asian women that may have been informed by film and media of asian women as submissive and like you're right like you know typically it's like women who don't talk back and like you know like they'll do everything for you they'll worship you blah blah blah. Mm. um and it's actually disgusting like i was in thailand earlier this year and Oh, no. It it was actually very painful and disappointing to see these streets lined with middle-aged white men. (laughs) Honestly, just it it, it actually looked primal. Like, they were almost, like, as if they were, like, out hunting for, like, women. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've digressed a bit from film and TV, but I just wanted to bring home the point that these reductions and stereotypes of Asian women is like you know actually harmful like it, it actually manifests in uh real life impacts um and yeah it, it's it's actually really hard to to see and yeah 100%. you know how do you begin to unpack all those layers and distill it down like what's the core issue here like how do we actually solve this yeah um so and i think it's and, and i honestly think it, it comes down to the actual production you know you have people making films such as memoirs of a geisha like, I, I assume that it's all just white people making these films and yep. creating these stories. But if you actually have Asian people working, um, you know, writing these stories, cre- directing these actors and whatnot, I'm sure there'll be a different result. And there is a there is a different result, manifestly, and we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I'm digressing here. No, no, 100%. <laughs> and I think... Um... What, what this helped with, like, kind of alluded to themes of almost, like, brainwashing um, in a way. And sort of, I remember I, I did a subject at uni and it was, it was actually, a, I, I wrote an essay about memoirs of a geisha. And I proposed an idea, um, I guess, like, it's a neo-colonialism, like, a, like the modern day form of colonialism. Because you think about what it is traditionally, you are expanding your territory, you are expanding the, mm. your reach, Um you know, over other countries, you know, plummaging, taking their land, taking their resources. So traditionally, it is more of an economic benefit. It's it's an economic deve- de- endeavor. And secondary to that, a lot of the time, you're, you know, introducing them to religion, you know, parts of your culture. But I think like in the 21st century, in modern day era, the way I just starting to think about colonialism now, it's much more to do with spreading ideas because that mm. is what is so much more powerful now. Like mm. you think about things like um, people profiting from like um, fake news, like implanting these ideas and remolding the world into sort of the image that they want. Like this is what these films do. You know, when yeah. you portray these, portray these people on the screen in a certain way, people watch that and to some extent they're going to absorb this information. And yeah. they're going to absorb it and think it's real and they're going to act accordingly. It's going to change the way they move. And, you know, maybe the filmmakers don't know they're doing this. You know, maybe they just yeah. want to make some cash or something like that. But, like, you need to understand that you have a responsibility. Like, film is one of those med- forms of media that, in essence, is, like, the closest thing to real life. Mm. You know, it's like you're seeing people on the screen. You're seeing them interact and, you know, they say good acting is just like you can't tell the difference it's just like you're seeing someone playing this fictional character like so well it is them um and it's the, it's the same thing that could be said for us as audience members like we may actually believe what we're seeing is real and that's going to shape our perceptions and i think it's it's really really dangerous and yeah you know i think this is this is um 
yeah I, I, could, I can't even describe it it's just like it's bad it's i guess minor forms of like neo-colonialism you know i could be oh, reaching 100%. out my tutor yeah. thought i was reaching out so you know <laughs> fuck you no i i validate you and your points and i think that's why whitewashing is so insidious as well okay it just amplifies this point where yeah. it's you know like i think whitewashing at service level obviously is problematic because you're supplanting um you know asian characters with white role sorry asian characters with white actors but on a more, I guess, high-level uh, analysis, you almost see the privileging of white audiences over at the expense of everyone else, essentially. Because, you know, what you have is... So, for example, let's cite a couple examples. So, Emma Stone, mm. she played a character of Hawaiian Asian heritage in Aloha, Alison Ng. Um, Scott Johansson, as we mentioned, played a Japanese heroine in Ghost in the Shell, which is obviously a Hollywood remake of a Japanese anime. You have Tilda Swinton, Swinton playing a Himalayan priest in Doctor Strange, um, who in the character in the Marvel comics, may I say, is a is an, uh, an Asian man. And, you know, you literally couldn't get wider people to play Asian <laughs> roles. And yes, to an extent, there is that basic economics of demand supply. You know, you have big names like Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton in these big roles. Um, and perhaps that is palatable to an audience. But on the practical level, you have a form of employment discrimination. And insidiously, what does that say about the views that we privilege and prioritize in society? Um, you know, that we have Asian narratives being usurped by white people. And I think it just compounds the invisibility and marginalization of Asians in Asian stories in Western media. Because like you said, like you know tv and film is almost like real life and if you don't see an asian person playing an asian character like it, it just compounds to that invisibility yep. Yep. of just not having any asians presented anywhere and it's not just film and tv too like i know that's the topic of this episode but you think just to even things like modeling you know like barely do i see oh, an asian model oh my god okay that's a whole other thing because especially yeah. for me as a you know woman and like beauty standards and whatnot but just at its core, you just never see Asian representation. Yeah. And that is so just fundamentally just so disappointing. Just so, And it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's 2020. The world is globalized. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's not news that we need diversity. Yet you have these films time and time again. You have productions where they, the people, and the thing is like diversity sells. I don't know why people aren't, using that economic drive for diversity to use yep. it in their own films like it doesn't make sense diversity clearly sells yet the norm and the mainstream is to always go back to the white default and honestly i'm sick of it yep. i'm so sick of it and i'm not just sick of it everyone like i know people like me are sick of it i just want to see people who look like me or look like people like me on our screens and represented it's not it's not a hard thing it's not that hard it's, it's not, not that hard, hard is, is that too much to ask for is that too much to ask for <sighs> like i just and, uh, oh my god oh my god it, actually it's... on that thought actually on that thought all right diversity then um one of, i guess one of the biggest movies in the last couple years that i guess is like we'll talk about this but i guess like it's a very very diverse movie because it has an all asian cast crazy rich asians yeah and, big topic yeah and i'd actually <laughs> i'd actually put off watching this movie until about you know, in preparation for this episode, because I don't know, I think originally just seeing the ads for it and seeing all the hype around it, it was almost like I was a bit scared to be disappointed. Like yeah. this, this monumental event, come on, you know, our version of Black Panther, you know, this was, yeah. this is our time to shine. Like Black Panther was amazing. And I was just like, oh, you know, Already the plot was a bit like, mm, you know, rom-com. Okay, sure. Yeah, okay. Mm. We can we, we can do that. Um, and I put off watching it for the longest time. And anyway, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it first. What okay. are your thoughts on Cra Crazy Rich Asians? Okay, okay, okay. I have many thoughts on Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I think similar to you, actually, I held off watching it for a really long time. I actually only watched it this year, um, even though the hype has passed a long time ago yeah um but I, I think like you i i think i felt a bit hesitant to watch it because i was like there's so much hype around it and i don't want to be disappointed because 
you know, the significance of it at face value mm. is so high. Like the stakes are high. Y- you know, you never see an all Asian cast by an all Asian production. Like that's, that's just, that never happens. In mainstream media, I should say. In mainstream Western yeah. media. Yeah. Um, and I watched it and I have mixed views. I have really mixed views. So, okay, mm. on the one hand, the, and I think like this is the view that most people take that yes it's a it's a good film like it's good like you know you have you know like it's a good film for re- representation obviously like you have just normal storylines played by Asian people and I think that in itself is significant like we've mentioned in at the beginning of this episode where I think we don't want to see just films and TV shows of Asian people um, that's centered around being Asian it's just I crave seeing Asian people just doing normal things on film and TV shows. So on the one hand, it felt so refreshing to just see, you know, just like a classic rom-com, just see that play out and like have no almost like ulterior, like this is about Asian movie and Asian films. Like it's just a rom-com with Asian characters, sorry, with Asian actors. And that to me felt like that was significant. Like that was cool. Mm. That was cool not having to revert back to, you know, stereotypes about Asians, they just, it felt normal, you know, it felt like things I'd seen and had done as an Asian person, you know, like that was cool. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I thought about it more as well. And it also, I feel like the, the hypeness of, um, you know, the significance of the Asian representation itself kind of swallowed the criticism, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think you're, you have, critical views to point about this too mm. actually I'll, I'll defer that to you um i'll probably take the side of the positive uh debate on coast rotations yeah um so yes i do praise the significance of obviously representation but i also do want to say that the significance of crazy rich asians has also manifested in self in it in in of itself i should say in its long-term impacts on the future of asian representation yes the movie itself may not be critically acclaimed and I think that's completely fine. But I do think that the real reason why I find Asian Rich Asian so significant is the fact that it's historic and I think it has had and it will have long lasting impacts on Asians taking up space in media. So, for example, Aquafina, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some research and honestly, prior to Crazy Rich Asians, she wasn't really known. She was a modestly known rapper, yeah. a YouTube star accustomed to auditioning for parts that required her to use an accent. And obviously with the release of Crazy Rich Asians, which, you know, global phenomenon, I think it raked in like 238 mil box office. Um, You see Aquafina taking her success in Crazy Rich Asians and injecting that into arguably better films that do depict Asian narratives well, like The Farewell. You know, and I think as Aquafina's opportunities have increased, you know, even if it's just like little roles like Ocean's Eleven yeah. or like Jumanji or I, I think she actually had or will have her own Comedy Central sitcom. Um, I think it's the fact that she even has these opportunities and Crazy Rich Asian has opened that door for her that is so significant. And I think it just really galvanizes this momentum for Asian representation. So while Asian, so while Crazy Rich Asian in itself might not be a great movie um I, I think i do praise it for what it represents that being taking up space and that being the long-lasting impacts that i have no doubt asian rich, crazy rich asians will spur on um and i actually think it brings home the idea that diversity sells and i think hollywood is picking that up um and but that's the thing like it, it's it's sad because the bar is low you know mm. like it, it's crazy that if we're even talking about this like the, it's crazy to think that we are getting so happy and so hyped up about a movie about Asians when really that shouldn't really be an issue. Like, can you imagine white people talking about, oh my God, like once upon a time in Hollywood has an all white cast. Amazing. Like, this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like in another world, in another world, I, w- I wish we weren't having this conversation yeah, because the yeah. bar is actually really low. Preach. And for us to be like, okay, let's talk about crazy rich Asians. That in itself, it just highlights the problem at hand here yeah that being just the bar is so bloody low yeah um but you know progress is progress progress and i think this is a good step in the right direction okay that's my take on crazy rich asians how about you jeff yeah okay so it when i whenever i think about this film it's just like you know it's ups and downs and i remember when i was watching it 
you know i was i i enjoyed it you know it's just like i don't i don't mind a rom-com movie i don't think it was like in terms of like acting or you know um in terms of like the storyline i don't think anything about it was technically like groundbreaking like nothing about it was unique you know girl yeah. falls in love you know meets parents parents disapprove she goes comes back they get married um but then like there was this feeling that i had the whole time when i was watching it and only afterwards i realized what it was and it was essentially i was just watching you know a white movie with an asian cast which yes you know that is like a great thing i really do not want to downplay how significant this movie is for asian people like as you said like aquafina used this to like launch her um acting career into other greater opportunities that are you know much more like authentic to the asian narrative but it was just like i I just felt like i was watching like you know every rom-com ever and some with just a few little nods to like asian culture and it just it just it just didn't sit right. So I guess like firstly, culturally speaking, the movie itself highlights a lot of class and ethnic segregation issues in mm, Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Singapore in itself as a society is Chinese centric. And that is like very clear in the movie. Um, you know, the largest ethnic groups in Singapore, Chinese, Malaysians, um, Indians, Pakistan. So whenever you see... W- Malaysian or, or or an Indian person, they played like the 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 servants. They mm. played the security guards. Like there was, it was just a bold like display of income inequality. And it's just like the source material itself was already problematic because the writer is like in the upper echelons of like you know Singaporean society, yeah. and. It just yeah, it just felt so westernized. And then the the second thing is that like you know we were talking about stereotypes, you know like um, submissive women, kung fu masters. But like, what is the what is the stereotype that you know people think about now when they think about Asian people? It's you know rich, mm. rich, you know rich fobs for lack mm. of a better word. Like you you go to university and it's just like oh, you know people walking into class wearing like twenty thousand dollars worth of clothes you know this is the new world like china has money you know they are they are going everywhere and obviously like they carry themselves in a way that you know may not be perceived positively by um western society and this movie just kind of portrays that as well you know you're highlighting the new stereotype in film which i hope isn't what carries forward like the success of the film Mm. i'm i'm worried is it's just another way of boxing boxing you know film and tv shows into something that they know sells and it's like this portrayal of like lavish you know and like the end scene where um is it constance is that the actress's mm, constance name Lou, yeah yeah like her like coming of self um moment is that she you know ditches her cheating husband and I'm I'm sorry if this is like spoiling the movie for you, but um, oh no, Gemma Chan. Sorry, that's Gemma Chan. Is it, oh, is it Gemma Chan? Yeah. So yeah. Astrid, her, yeah. Yeah, Astrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. forgetting the character <laughs> names. My bad. Um, so her like coming of self moment is she you know ditches her you know um cheating husband and puts in one point three million dollar earrings. Like, what is, what is that? Like, what is what does that mean? You know. Yeah. Like, I, d- I, d- I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And, you know, I think it just wasn't telling a story that was, like, uniquely Asian, you know? It's yeah. just like, we're just yeah. recycling plots and just putting Asian people in. But, again, I think, you know, like, I just cannot stress enough how important this movie was, despite, mm-hmm. you know, the, the negatives, the negative feelings I have towards it. Um, and maybe I'm just being way too critical because I expected No, more. but I think it's good to be critical, though. I, I still do think that. No, yeah. I, I think that we ought to be critical. Um, speaking of, though, actually, another thing I want to mention as well. I think there were still elements of whitewashing in this film. Even there were so many elements of whitewashing. Like, why was Henry Golding, the, the main protagonist, a half-Asian man, <sighs> like playing an Asian person? Like, I don't understand. There are plenty of attractive Asian men 
You, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, just, it's that in itself just insidiously buys into the trope again of Asian men not being attractive. Like, it doesn't end. It doesn't make you know, like, obviously, yes, Crazy Rich Asian is amazing, but there's still so many flaws about it. And I think it's good to air that out as well. Yeah. Not disregarding the significance of it. But exactly. there were still problems with it. There were yeah. still problems with it. Like, that whole, like, um, that whole like scene where Ken Jong's character like pretends to be like super Asian and then he's like, Oh, actually I went to school in America. Oh you my know? god. I was like, Well, well yeah. like, why? You know, like what is It what felt so mean? high school. That just you, felt like a mean? racist stroke in high school. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, think, I Yeah. I definitely cringed at that. Yeah. I, I just think like money like the idea of displaying lavish lifestyles is like something that people love, you know, nowadays you think about like Instagram influencers, like what is the content they're portraying? They're portraying a life that you want, you know, and this movie in a lot of way does the same thing. It's portraying, you know, this like idea of like luxury. And I think like people love that, you know, that, that shit mm. sells. And mm. then like, I just hope, and I actually, I don't think it will, but I just hope that like, this isn't a standard that is set. Like I would, again, just like to your point, I would love for this to just be like the launching pad. It's like, mm. cool, this is the movie that it all started from. And then now everyone's doing like awesome stuff. And we'll, we'll talk about some, all right, let's talk about some of the awesome stuff that's come out actually. And mm. this may not have, obviously this is, didn't branch from Crazy Rich Asians, but like Parasite winning the, <sighs> oh, love, oh, just... love that film. Oh let's my just God. Let's talk about that. I just... Look, okay, I'm just going to say it, like, say it, like, Oscars, so problematic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know why there's so much hype about it anymore when we know that the Oscars is so white and yep. it's just very just racist. That being said, though, don't want to deny the significance of Parasite winning an Oscar um, because, you know, I mean, it speaks for itself. Like, there's nothing to say um, besides having the fact that it just, it, I think it just brings home the idea of representation again and again and again and just how significant this is for Asians. Like, it's something so small, but it means so much. Just seeing someone who looks like you on screen, seeing talent on screen from people like you, oh my God. it means, it, it. I just can't express how much that is so significant. Um, and what are you, look, okay, no, no, sorry, you yeah. go. No, 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 I was just going to say, like, <laughs> what are your. What what are your thoughts on the whole? Because like when when it won, like there was so there was like the internet like blew up with people who were saying like, oh, this is just you know a nod to PC culture. Like you know, Oscars just trying to like remove their like traditional white image like by like giving this international film the, like the Oscar. Like what what do you what do you think about that? I think that the impact of Parasite winning Oscar the Oscar I should say um, can only be determined with reference to what will happen next. You know, mm. if this just if this becomes a thing where it's just, you, you realize that, you know, the next five Oscars are gonna be another green book where you have, ooh, white men and like black men, you know, being buddy buddy and, and you know, forgetting all about subtleties of racism and whatnot. Um, and having like a movie like this being tokenized, I think that would just completely dilute the significance of Parasite winning the Oscar. So I think it will really will depend on the direction that the Oscars will take. Um, I think it's I think it's too soon to say. I don't know, yeah. and you know, rightfully it could have been argued that the Oscars just did this as a PC move. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I really do think that is determinative on uh, future wins and yeah. the kind of nominations that um, will be represented. What yeah. do you think? Hundred percent agree. Um, I think it's you know maybe that w did contribute to it, but I have watched some of the other films um, that were nominated for Best mm. Picture, like. 1917 was is an amazing film it is um it is an experience um more than the film i would say um just because the way it's shot really recommend that movie um but it was just like parasite was just so good like it's just so good yeah <laughs> it's it's i don't even think i'm being biased because i've told so many people to watch this movie and you know they've completely agreed it's like one of the best movies i've ever seen it's just the way it's shot um, Bong is actually one of like the pioneers of this new shooting style, like super wide lens. Really? Yeah, like he's like people are going to be copying this work in future mm -hmm. films. Like you're going to see that kind of stuff. And 
the imagery, the idea of like the film as well, showing income inequality, you know, what this does and the subtle nods to it, you know, the, the whole scenes where the, the rich um, dad is like, you know, smelling something like, like all those subtle nods. My favorite scene of all time is where, without spoiling it too much, is after they like escape the house and it's torrential downpour and they're like, it's just shots of them walking downstairs and like that that like stuff like oh, that is yeah. so oh. good it is so good like yeah, the symbolism of that. yeah the yeah. symbolism of that is amazing and i think yeah and i think it's just like yes asian people can make good films like i watched tiger tail recently alan yang's directorial debut awesome mm. really really good because mm. it was just so simple and just so well done like the mm. story in itself very very simple it's one that's been told a million times it's one that's been experienced by millions and millions of people it's about a guy from taiwan who moved to america and it's just phases of his life just played back and it's just a very simple story about the immigrant the immigrant story and it was just done so well and cast so well and i i can't say like enough good things about it it was you know Mm. it was emotional it was touching but it just felt it just felt super real you know it was the story told as is not fluffed not made to sell like not made to make money well obviously it's going to make money but like i don't believe that was the intention it was made to create a story because it's like as i said before film and tv is just an amazing way of sharing stories that aren't commonly heard And, you know, I feel like sometimes people try to take a story and then just like, you know, make it a bit more palatable to like a West, like to a Western audience and just to mass market in general. Mm. Um, And I think it's so important to maintain that authenticity in storytelling. And because Mm. you're you're bringing culture to life and, you know, again, it's you're producing it in a medium that's as close to real experience as possible. And that's the thing, you can actually tell when a movie has been made by Asian people versus white people. Mm. Memoirs of a Geisha, white people. White. Tiger Tail, obviously Asian. You, you know, like, the, the, dis- yeah. the disparity is so evident. Um, and I just think it speaks to the importance of having Asian people in the creation, in, like, in the creative process of these films and TVs and projects, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. it's representation on all levels. It's not just actors. It's producers. It's writers. It's directors. It's people from the ground up. Yeah. Um, and I think that is just something that I, I, I've been amazed to see, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, I think, okay, so this is like a very rom-com um, movie. But have you seen To All the Boys I've Loved? The Netflix um, film? <laughs> I have I have not. I have not. Is it good? Okay, okay. Okay, I mean, not really. But, so my sister... <laughs> Yeah. My sister is 12 and um, she was obsessed with this film. It was like a Netflix film and, you know, it's just like a classic teenage rom-com. Yeah, yeah. But what was just so cool was the fact that the main protagonist was a Vietnamese woman, like a girl, like a teenager, Lana Condor. She yeah. was adopted um, and raised in the States, but is Vietnamese. Um, and like just seeing my sister watch that and just seeing see, seeing someone like her as a Vietnamese <laughs> yeah. girl, watching a Vietnamese girl play in, you know, what was a really popular Netflix film. Like that was so, like that was amazing for me to see. And That's I awesome. wish I actually had that growing up. Like I know it's not a big deal, like, you know, to our white listeners out there just to see someone, like a white person playing mm. whatever, like the main role in like a rom-com, but to see an Asian girl just playing a rom- in the rom-com like as a protagonist, like that was so significant to see. And like to my sister, like, you know, she didn't bat an eye about it. I'm sure she didn't unpack the nuance. I think that's probably this. a good thing, you know, if she didn't but bat That's a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Like I, that's the goal. So that was so refreshing. And I think, you know, despite what we've said about the bar being low and honestly just the legacy of racism in film and media, I think it's really positive to see where the future direction of representation is going with films like Parasite winning the Oscar, TBC on the impact of that. But, you know, Tiger Tail. Yep. Um, and even, okay, let's discuss about this, MasterChef, the new season of MasterChef. Mm. Full disclosure, I haven't watched the whole season. I've been very busy this uh, semester. Yeah, same. But I have seen uh, like tidbits here and there. And I want to hear your thoughts about this new 
It is so good. Oh, <laughs> Melissa is just like, we are standing Melissa. She's just like yeah. absolute breath of fresh air. And actually before that, I need someone to tell me why the fuck everyone is cooking with a hibachi grill. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, it's, it, it makes no sense to me. So if you know why they're doing it, um, are they sponsored? Because again, I've I've only watched like a few episodes here, and they're the ones that like people really really recommend. Um, but if you know the answer to that, please let me know because I'm actually genuinely curious. <laughs> but the the episode that I wanted to talk about was the the first mystery box where they had chicken feet, in, yeah. you know, they had chicken feet in a mystery box. And I've I've watched MasterChef. I watched like the first couple of seasons, and then like dropped off a little bit. But you know, traditionally, like you you think about the the mystery boxes that have come, they're just like, you know, they might get like a somewhat odd ingredient, but they would never introduce something like chicken feet, you know, something that like is quote unquote gag food. Mm. And to, to showcase that food in this medium on a screen with TV, having all these amazing chefs work out what to cook with it. And then seeing them produce those amazing dishes, like, this is another episode, but food is political. Food is mm. food is very political. And then, like, there's stigmas attached to everything you eat. And, you know, making seeing them put that on a screen, turning it into amazing food. Because chicken feet is good, you know. Like, braised, it's delicious. Yum cha, it's delicious. It's got a lot of collagen in it. It's good for soups and um, any, any anything that requires some sort of, like, gelatinous, like, gelatinous texture to it. It's really really good and obviously like it's eaten it like traditionally eaten because like countries were poor you couldn't afford to throw bits of that away but like seeing that on a western tv show western media like western people cooking it oh it was it we made it so (laughs) good and it made me so happy to see that and i think just like this this push is like awesome you know like this is this is so good. And I think the, the main thing what we're trying to drive here is that you, there is talent. It's not that oh my God, Asian so people can't produce this yes. stuff. You know, like there's talented actors, there's talented directors, there's talented cooks, you know, like they can do this. So please just let them do it. Yeah. I cannot stress that. Enough. That is the main point of this, of this episode. Yeah. It's just that like yeah. Asian people are talented and they want to produce this kind of content so just just let them do it you know just yeah. let them do it yeah i think there needs to be change in the gatekeepers honestly and yeah. i think this will be the product of generational change and time and you know like, like we said like it's just the talent is there you just need to give asians and minorities opportunities to tell these stories and to be cast into these roles that are for them or that are about them don't supplant these roles with yep. white people and white narratives is all we're trying to say here. Yeah. I honestly hope and I hope to see that Hollywood does shift away from this, you know, uh, mirage of diversity towards a more specific and lasting form of representation. Like, it will not mean anything if Parasite wins an Oscar in one year and another Asian film never wins again. Or do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yep. Yep. These impacts have to be long-lasting and sustainable in order for this to mean anything. Um, and yeah, and, and look, I, I think my optimism also comes from seeing representation also happening for other groups like African-Americans, like you said, Black Panther, Get Out. Have you seen that film? It's like fucking amazing. You Get know? Out and is so good. So good. And I can't believe it came from Jordan Peele. Like I would kill like Key and Peele growing up. Like he's a king. He's that's it. That is the greatest pivot you ever see. Yeah. Comedy to horror. <laughs> genuinely 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 but that's the thing right it's talent is out there you just need opportunities um for people like us um but i mean i, I think what's interesting though is the fact that you know you have this tradition of carving out or not carving out but i should say excluding minorities and asians um but asian minorities have found a way to talk mm. about their stories and create their own space and I think YouTube has been an amazing platform for that. Oh, you know, if, if, you, if film and TV aren't going to accommodate for your stories, we're going to create our own space. And I think YouTube has been incredible at democratizing narratives and different stories that we hear and see. Um, like growing up, for example, Natalie Tran, like yep. Niga Higa, like yep. seeing funny Asian people, like seeing Asian comedians on my screen, even though it wasn't the big screen, was still yep. so cool and so meaningful to me. 
Yeah, you know? 100%. My, like, idol, um, this may be... I feel like a lot of people, like, share this sentiment. Actually, maybe not. Let me know. Um, but my <laughs> hero, like, the guy I thought was so cool um, growing up was, like, my Chonny. Do you ever watch my Chinese? Oh videos? my god, yes! I thought yes, he was yes, like yes, the yes. He coolest was so guy ever. Yes, and it was just and like, he was Vietnamese as well, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, this is you know, this is the guy. Like, I grew a fringe out because I wanted to look like him, and I like begged my mom to like let me dye my hair and stuff, and like, yeah, it never happened. Well, the fringe happened, but it look it looks terrible. Um, <laughs> but <it's> like, <laughs> cause stuff like that, I think as you were saying like this platform like does not place limitation like there is no gatekeeper of you yeah. you want to put content you can put it on there like exactly. there are the strangest things on there and people it's like the place where you can just be yourself and like you know people may like it and you will you can turn it into a career and or you can turn it into anything you want because there's just there's no limitations you are free to upload what you want and i think yeah youtube has been one of like the biggest platforms to help with creating representation and creating this like whole space like you like what else is there like wong fu productions is like Mm. amazing Mm. um i used to love like just kidding films um Mm. that was awesome i think about people like the fung bros like what they're doing over there like this is it's it's an awesome awesome platform and honestly like i I feel like I don't really watch as many like movies and TV shows anymore. Mm. Like I, I'm like a YouTube addict. I could mm. literally watch YouTube videos for days and days and days. Cause it's just like, you know, I can, everything I want is at the tip of my fingers and it just feels like more authentic in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think yeah, this is that shared sentiment. Like I've, I remember like hearing um hearing from another podcast you like you ask kids what they want to be now they're like i want to be youtube famous (laughs) and you know i think it's just like because you can just like put content on this platform and it's easy to get on there and you know it's very very egalitarian you know it's very democratic of a process you know yeah and i hope you know people continue to churn out content on there i mean like what if we put content on there? That was that. I'm camera shy. This is why I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, no, take but, up your own space. But maybe. No, that's but maybe. That but maybe. Yeah. yeah. Coming yeah. soon. And again, just to hammer it back home, there is Asian talent. You know, it's out there and there is some amazing ideas brewing there's a lot of grassroots stuff happening and i think it's just it's just time to just let asian people do what asian people do best and it's you know tell asian narratives and you know create like new ideas and new universes for them to explore i would love you know this could be like shooting shooting in the dark but like i would love like marvel but like (laughs) created within like it actually no there is an asian um there is a marvy marvel movie coming out soon with an asian lead um, no way really? yeah which is awesome i can't i can't quite remember um what the guy's name is but that's gonna be awesome oh my god um, but like imagine if it was like a whole like cinematic universe and it was just like asian superheroes oh <gasps> sorry i just that. looked it up i did my googles uh Sh- shang chi yeah yeah that's that's the one that's the one Nice. And I believe uh, that, And the yeah, Legend of I the believe, Ten Rings. Oh my god, that is so exciting. Yeah, so like stuff like that. That is awesome. Oh, like, I, I want so more cool. of that. I want more of that. So cool. And, and you, um sorry, you Yeah, no, you go. I was gonna say, um, you just don't realise how important representation is until you realise that you've been missing it from your entire life. Exactly. And yeah, we we just very grateful for the content that's happening out there um and the immense talent that's out there um we just need opportunities honestly yeah we're we're super excited to see what comes and just yeah. to just to wrap up um just to back on um isabella's opening point about us filming this episode i think one of the, the main things and one of the things that like i want to and i like want to develop throughout this podcast is just like i find it hard to like express my opinions um because you know, I've, I've got that kind of like want to please everybody kind of attitude that um, has been drilled into me. Like, don't disturb the status quo. That's that's sort of all that sort of like Asian stuff. And I think it's I, I think this first this is kind of the first episode where we've really done that. 
Mm. I think for the last two, it was much more like talking about like our own experiences. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's going to be good using this to develop the skill. Cause like, I, I feel like, yeah, Asians are traditionally like a bit more quiet and, you know, they'll just like go with it. Like <clears throat> back to the, mm. excuse me, back to the point of like, you know, allowing racism to occur and stuff. And I think like we got to, we got to be louder. We got to speak you know? up. Exactly. We got to speak up. We got to speak up and like, you know, this is a this is something that I want to do more and um and again, like we a lot of you guys have sent in your messages, your thoughts and we we honestly love it. Like we've had like great conversations with a lot of fans, like some of the ideas that like I've talked about has been have been ones that like um, people who have messaged us have like received. So like shout outs to all of you. And yeah, just don't be afraid to to have a chat with us. Like we absolutely love that. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.